Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now that Halloween is over, I think most of us switch to Christmas mode. Here in the U.S., we take an approximate three-day break to enjoy Thanksgiving, but then switch right back to Christmas. I know for many, me included, Christmas serves as a magical time. The snow, the lights, the songs, and all the presents flood my mind with so many memories. I still love driving around neighborhoods and checking out all the decorations. I started singing Christmas carols in my shower on November 1st, and I've been shopping, slowly of course, for gifts since late, since late summer. As I've gotten older, I found more magic in the gifts that I give others and the time I spend with my family over the things I'm actually given. But as a child, I can remember counting gifts under my tree and begging my mom to let me open just one gift early. And honestly, aren't most kids that way? I mean, take a second and think back. Remember that one special Christmas when you got the gift of your dreams? Seriously, stop what you're doing, unless you're driving. And close your eyes. Remember the smell of your mom cooking you breakfast on Christmas morning and your eyes opening to remember that it's actually Christmas? Remember jumping out of bed and running to the tree? Had you seen anything more beautiful? Your parents walk in and your mom starts handing out presents. She always saves the best gifts for last. Anticipation builds. You finally get to the one you've been waiting for. You've asked Santa for this gift for years. And by the shape of the package, this could be the year. You slowly open the package. You don't want to spoil the moment. And there it is. Your American Girl doll, Molly. She's the most perfect thing you've ever seen. That scenario was mine. I remember asking my mom for a Molly doll for a few years, but I never got one. I knew she was expensive and that my mom would have to save to be able to get me such an expensive gift. It was one of those gifts you never really expected to get. So you can imagine my surprise when I opened that box and saw Molly there. As I've grown older, Molly still sits in perfect condition on my shelf. To this day, I cherish her. And she honestly means more to me now that I'm older than she did when I was young because I know the struggle my mom faced to sometimes feed my brother and me, let alone get us gifts for Christmas. Allison has shared a similar Christmas experience with me a few times. As a small girl, Allison always admired the china set her grandma kept in her china cabinet. She always thought that that particular set was special because it was never used, it was only to look at. For many years, she admired it in the cabinet until one Christmas, she opened her grandma's gift to find the china set packed neatly in a box just for her. Her grandma had given her a gift that left her speechless, and I'm sure with tears streaming down her eyes, Allison took the most beautiful gift she's ever been given. And all of the moves she's made, the china set sits neatly and tightly packed in the seat beside her. Nothing beats the magic of opening that iconic gift. For many, that gift is a shiny new bike. In fact, bicycles are the most popular gift, according to several websites and blogs that I've read. Our story took place in 1996, and I doubt Patrick and David's parents consulted Google to select the perfect bike for their kid, but both boys awoke to gleaming new bicycles beside their Christmas trees. We can all picture their excitement as they raced through the streets of their seemingly safe town. 
In fact, we often talk about things being so different in our world not so long ago. About how families were fine with kids staying out and playing until the sun started to set or riding their bikes in well-lit areas after dark. But even though we think back and say things like, the world was so different then, or that was a different time, the world was still dangerous. People still lurked in the shadows that wanted to harm innocent people. People still stalked kids in broad daylight, hoping for a chance to snatch them up. When Patrick and David went riding on December 26, 1996, all was bright in their small community. No one would have ever imagined that danger was lurking. But no one noticed when two small boys went missing that night. Not until the next morning, anyway. And these years later, we're still wondering what happened to Patrick and David. This is the story of Patrick Warren and David Spencer. Welcome to Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. And my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the cases will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, because, as we all know, conversation helps to keep the missing person in the public consciousness, helping keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. All right, sleuth hounds, we are in the final stretch. If you are a longtime listener of ours, you know where the next 15 seconds of this episode are going. If you are a new listener, welcome to our show, first of all. But also, Maggie and I have been trying for a bit to get to 150 ratings on Apple Podcast. We are tantalizingly close with 138 ratings. So that means we are 12. Did you hear that, listeners? 12 ratings away from giving you all a bonus episode. Being teachers, we appreciate the hard work that goes into achieving a long-term goal, and we are so thankful that because of you all, we are so close to checking a goal off of the list for Coffee and Cases. While we are close, we still aren't there yet, so if you are listening and you like what you're hearing, rate us. It only takes a second to click that five-star rating and just a few seconds longer to tell us what you liked most in a written review. Keep sharing, Sleuth Hounds, and pretty soon you will stop hearing us beg each week for these ratings. Just make sure that you follow us on social media, Coffee and Cases Podcast on Facebook, or at Coffee Cases Podcast on Instagram, or as always, listen in each week to know when that bonus episode will air. Now, 
let's get into our show. It was the day after Christmas, and for me, Sleuth Hounds, it's such a sad day when you realize that all of your decorations are going to be packed away and that Christmas is over. I just hate that day. Is, you know, now that you're mentioning this, I feel like, so I studied in England for a semester right. at Oxford, and I feel like the day after Christmas is Boxing Day for them, which is like a big... Yeah, they talk Deal. about that, or a lot of the research that I read. Oh, because our case today happens in the UK. P.S. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Maggie and I were just talking about this ahead of time, which is why I knew. But yeah, they had, um, they did mention Boxing Day in some of the articles that I read, but I didn't know what that was. Yeah, but it's on the 26th. It's like the day after. Oh. So I wonder if they'd wait. To you know, now. but see, I've waited until like January. Yeah, I'm usually in to January. <laughs> Down, but I can't do it the day after. It can be sad. Yeah. But, I mean, for kids here, I think the magic lasts a couple days longer because you get to play with everything that Santa yeah. left you. Yeah. And it's all new. And as I mentioned in the intro, um, Patrick and David got new bicycles for Christmas. In fact, several articles wrote that Patrick rode his bike everywhere he went on December 26th. So, he was like, this is this, this is, is it. The gift. This, yeah. is the, this is the life. <laughs> Patrick Warren and David Spencer spent the entire day together on December 26th playing in their home town in Chimsley Wood, a sprawling working class estate on the edge of... What is it? <laughs> Maggie always is like, I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> Okay, anyways, in the United Birmingham? States... Birmingham? Yeah, in the United States, we would say Birmingham, but... In the UK, we're assuming it's Birmingham. Birmingham. So, <laughs> anyway. So, um, they are riding their bikes, and it only has a population of about 12,000 people. So, it's not like a huge town. Not some big metropolis. Yeah. It was reported that the boys were seen playing in the neighborhood with several other kids their age. And they are like 11 and 13, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. We know the boys were in a nearby park because a police officer distinctly remembers telling that group of kids to stay away from a frozen lake that they were playing close by. Uh. And after the police officer explains the danger of thin ice, the boys leave the park. And I don't know if they leave because they're like, well, you ruined our fun. Or if they're just like, okay, moving on. Like, I'm not sure. But they leave. That reminds me of It's a Wonderful Life. Have you ever yes. Seen? Oh, my favorite. I love my it. Favorite Christmas movie. But the brother in. falls in, and that's why he the main loses character. His yep. And he oh, can't no. go to. So don't be skating on or sledding onto frozen lakes. Yeah, because then all of your dreams will die. Because yep. that's what happened to him yep. in the movie. That's exactly true. So, anyways, <laughs> we digress. So, they play so long, in fact, it's nearly midnight when David oh. returns home. Oh, my. Yes. And upon first glance, I was like, okay. I mean, this isn't so bad. I mean, it's Christmas break. There's but probably 11? no school. You know, my mom let me stay out till midnight in high school. But then, you'd have to take into consideration they're 11 and 13. Right. And we're staying out until midnight. That's late. So, I did read one article, um called The Disappearance of Patrick Warren and David Spencer that stated, quote, many parents found the streets to be safe and many also believed their friends in the area would also keep tabs on their children. 
it was also the school holidays and Boxing Day. So many people okay. were throwing parties, in quote. So okay. maybe this was just like a really close community and everybody kind of watched out for everybody else. So there are totally neighborhoods that are like that today um, where like you could send your kid riding on their bike down the street and you know somebody on the street would be like hey saw your kid you know yeah, they're in my backyard right. playing with timmy or exactly. <laughs> whatever exactly so i don't know about in the uk but i know a lot of 11 and 13 year olds here because i teach them and i honestly don't see many parents letting their seventh graders stay out until midnight school or no school yeah but i mean again i don't know like if the culture is maybe different there and that's like more of a normal thing so regardless when david rolls into circus avenue at midnight it isn't to go to sleep it's to tell his mom he's staying over at patrick's brother's house she agrees she tells them um like not to dilly dally to go ahead right. and go straight to um the brother's home and they agree um but despite telling her that's what they're gonna do they detour a little bit see that's why okay i have a child and she is 11, and I would imagine that she would detour. Like, I, I don't know, unless I threatened her life. See, if I said, listen, or to take away technology. That's true. And I talk about, like... <laughs> and she'd be like, I'm there. Yeah. I'm go nowhere going, else. Yeah. I talk about, um, here in a little bit, like, I'm trying to remember in the context of... Um, like how I think we would have reacted mm -hmm. as 11 and 12 year olds to the situation at hand. Cause you know, we're, I feel like we're kind of weird in the best of ways. So together they drifted like seemingly unnoticed, um, in the cold and the dark past houses lit up with Christmas decorations. And even though the boys received new bikes for Christmas, it's noted in several places. Only Patrick was riding his bicycle and David was following along beside him on foot, which I think is kind of weird, but so I don't that, know. That, that worries me already. Like, yeah. I don't really know. It never mentions like what happened, like why he was on foot, but he is. So here's, so as you guys know, if Allison and I were 11 and 13, there's no way on God's green earth that we would be out after dark. No. Like, no. Uh -uh. And if by some reason we were, there would be no way we would have disobeyed either of our parents no. when they instructed us to go straight to like Allison's brother's house. We would have been no. like, been there. We are exactly. there, yeah. mother. First of all, I would have been too, I would have been too scared. Yeah, I would have been like, can you drive me? I know. It's dark outside. <laughs> can you call to make sure I made it there? Okay. Yeah, I'll call you when I get there. <laughs> yeah. Both Patrick and David were described as rambunctious boys. In fact, according to the article, Patrick Warren and David Spencer, The Mystery of the Milk Carton Kids by Lauren Potts, Patrick, who was also known as Patty, which I think is so cute. It is cute. That's adorable. That's super cute. Was one of seven... Seven. Seven. Was one of seven siblings from an Irish family. He played football, which I'm assuming is soccer. Yes. He liked pasta. They, I'm assuming it's pasta. The article said noodles. I'm going to assume so as well. I'm going to assume. Um, and used to joke with his mom about her Irish accent when she lost her temper. That's cute. Which is really cute. So in that article, she says, quote, he was a bit on the wild side, Bridget Warren said in 1997. 
There's no point saying he was an angel because he wasn't. I would say he was cheeky. But other kids' mothers would used to say, Patty is a terrific little lad. Even his teacher said he was a good lad. That's so cute. Cheeky. Yeah. He was cheeky. I wish we said cute things like that. I guess it's kind of like, though... Like with my sleuth hound, I feel like I'm harder on her than other people are. And so I will be like, oh my goodness, I'm so frustrated. But the things I get frustrated about, everybody else are like, oh, it's so cute. She's a doll. (laughs) Which she is, P.S. David, on the other hand, was a boxer. And that was actually his goal in life was to be a professional boxer, which I thought was cool. And he's remembered by his mother as, quote, adorable, a lovely lad. But he apparently also had a troubled side. Much more troubled than that of Patrick. Um, He actually had some petty misdemeanors that landed him in and out of youth court. And he was eventually um, kicked out of, like, mainstream schooling at the age of 12. Okay, so we don't know what, but at least enough. I mean, I would... And again, I don't know how it works in the UK. But I know, like, here in the US, I feel like it would take some significant things in order to get, get kicked out of right cuz i think about school. i think about like you know we're from both small districts mm-hmm. like the the district Allison teaches in there's one high school in that district the district i teach in there are only two and one high school is super small in that district and so the kids there are also kind of more like rural most of them are from farms Mm -hmm. and you know things Mm -hmm. like that um but i honestly can't remember a time that i have heard at either district of a student permanently being removed from like a public school setting i mean i'm sure that it happens like especially in larger cities it's probably common Mm -hmm. um but really not where we're like i can't really think of anything like a specific incident so like to think that a 12 year old is so troubled that they're removed from school kind of really stood out to me i mean unless and again, I, I don't know. Unless in the UK, they're just far more strict about yeah, like discipline. discipline. And so then it wouldn't take as much. Because let me just say, like, if you set the standard where, like, let's say a kid is smoking on school property and that that's enough, you know, if you do it two or three times to get kicked out, then, I mean, I doubt that there would be many kids who were smoking. Right. Because they would know... Versus, like, you know, you could pretty much do anything and you can still... So, again, I don't know. Yeah. So, in that same article by Lauren Potts, David's mom says, quote, he didn't like discipline. You couldn't tell him what to do, end quote. She said that just one year after the, like, one year after the story I'm telling you now. Mm. So, he did not respond well to discipline. And as a teacher, that's always a tough call. It is. It's a thin line to tread. So, um, she goes on to say he was aggressive. If someone caused him grief, he took the law into his own hands and used force to keep them off his back, which was unacceptable, end quote. So, I don't really know, like, like, again, I don't know these children. And I'm thinking, like, you know, I'm picturing the kids that I see every day mm-hmm. and, like, I, you know, obviously have more empathy for them because they're mine and they're in my classroom. Right. But I just think, like... A lot of the times, things that happen in the classroom could be avoided by a more involved parent. And again, I don't know, like, I don't know her. I don't know what their parenting mm-hmm. style was. Mm-hmm. But, like, at 11 and 12, I just think that's a super hard thing to say. Like, he just didn't like discipline. He was aggressive. Like, right. you're only 12. Right. 
think you're still like a kid. Mm-hmm. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So a former teacher at the school where David was excluded from recalls, um, quote, a bright boy who had quite a presence. That's positive. Yeah. And he goes on to say, quote, there was a significant number of boys who were troubled, but David was different. It was his unpredictability. You couldn't tell with him when something was going to go wrong, end quote. And like I said, like that's that thin line that mm-hmm. we often find. I mean, even in like a regular workplace, I'm sure bosses have that, you know, employee that there's like that thin line that you mm-hmm. tread with them. So, you know, I hate to bring up people's past because we often do get caught up in that and, like, we do let that define that person's future. But I feel like in this case, it's important to give the details because comments like, you know, he was, like, unpredictable, Mm -hmm. they were rambunctious, and things like that actually play a big role in the way that this case was handled by police, Mm -hmm. which is frustrating. That is very frustrating. So after David and Patrick leave the park, they make their way down a hill and across the road to a gas station. So I'm sure you've kind of picked up on this, but um, like there were a lot of differences between like the way we speak English here in the United States compared to the way that it's spoken in the UK. Uh-huh. So there were like some things that I was like Googling, like like Did it say noodles. petrol station yeah, or something? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, clearly that's a gas station. Right. Like, there's a picture of a shell station there. Like, that one I can get. Well, you know BP. Right. No, that's British. <gasps> no! Yeah! I just thought it was BP. Yeah, that's where... Oh, you learn something new every Except day. Except it costs, like, way more over there than here. Like, we think gas prices are high here when it's, like, $2. Yeah? Mm, no. Like, it'd be, like, I don't know what it is right now, but I bet it's, like, the equivalent of, like, 6 to $8. But do they have more opportunities for public transportation there? Um, yeah, I took buses, and you could take the train. Because we don't like, have, like... Like, Eurorail. Because like, we don't have that, that here. Places. Like, if we lived, like, out in, like, a smaller town, like, the only way to get to a big town would be to drive to there. Drive. We don't yeah. have, like, no. train stations yeah. and things. That is one thing I wish we had. Me too. Well, you get it up north... Like in New England, but not anywhere else. And I think I would travel more if I could travel by train. But you know what's interesting? When I lived over there, there was one weekend, and I was talking to some people I knew, and they were like, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, oh, I'm um, taking the the train up to Scotland. And it was like, I don't know, two and a half hours, which is nothing to us. And they were like, that's far. I'm like, shh, we'll drive like six hours. to go to the mall. Come on now. (laughs) So they do go like through a hill and like a wooded area to the gas station. So they make it like down a hill. They get to the gas station. Um, They get their biscuits or their cookies. And the attendant sees them leave at about 1245. So in the morning. But they got to their house at like midnight, so we're still we're now yeah. like almost an hour later, and they're still out. Yeah, doing whatever, getting their biscuits, I guess. Get your biscuits. Get your biscuit on. Gotta get your biscuits. 
So sadly, sleuth hounds, this is the last time we ever see the boys. Aww. The next day, Derek Warren, Patrick's brother, is surprised to hear that the boys were supposed to be with him the night before because he had not seen them at all that night. He quickly calls his mom and he calls David's mom to let them both know that the boys never arrived at his house. And it's then that the family starts searching the neighborhood and the nearby shopping center. Um, they look for a few hours, nothing turns up, and they call police to report their kids missing. When police arrive, they decide that the best approach is to go door to door asking if anyone has been in contact with or has seen Patrick and David. Makes and, sense. Yeah. And for some reason, like, have you seen the original witches? Like the one where they turn the kids into mice? No. Oh. Okay, well, you need to watch it. First off, they made a remake. It's on HBO, and okay. Hathaway is in it. But I have not seen that one. But in the original one, a girl goes missing, and, like, the police go door to door, like, asking all of her friends if they've, like, seen her. And yeah. for some reason, that's what I pictured in, mm. in my mind, and I don't know why. <laughs> so, they go to the local park. They ask the children if they've seen the boys and Again, all of their... Sense. Yeah, I mean you would go where they would be right. but all of their questions are met with a resounding no mm. as december 27th comes to a close police tell the families that the boys are likely playing a practical joke on them at 11 and 13 yeah a practical joke yeah of being missing a day yeah and that they're sure they'll return home and announce that you know they've been at a friend's house the entire time and they just didn't let anybody know and it's hilarious mm. so they tell the families to go home and just await the return of patrick and mm. david Again, like... I don't know if I'm buying all this. Yeah. I really don't. And, like, even if you said, like, was it Patrick who was the one who was unpredictable? Yes. Was it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, even if you said, like, he were playing a part... I don't even know if I would think that he would. But David, too? Like, do you think he'd really go along with it? I just don't... Like, I mean... Because, again, I'm thinking, like, you know your daughter is that age i'm thinking like the kids that we see every day and like i don't i mean maybe if it was like for a little bit i could see some kids like maybe an hour yeah but like an entire day yeah, no uh -uh. no so in the days that follow the police force make an appeal in the local papers urging the boys to come home officers spoke about being concerned for their welfare but in the same breath they would stress that the boys were quote streetwise so i mean I feel like we all kind of know it's like one of those words like you know what that is but like what does the dictionary say that is mm -hmm. so i looked it up and merriam webster says that streetwise means you have the knowledge needed to survive in difficult and dangerous places or in situations in a city again i don't think i would say in general that an 11 or a 13 year old is quote unquote streetwise because have they really seen enough of this world that they would know how to react in a dangerous situation right and like we just talked about how people in this community felt safe enough to let their kids be out until midnight so is this really a community where your kids need to be streetwise or like would learn how to be yeah your population is 12,000 people it's not like they're growing up in the streets of New York or Los Angeles they're right. like in a small town that 
you literally know everyone. Right. No, I get like if you're in a bigger city, like you just said, Maggie, like New York or LA, then you would have to be more cautious about who you trust. You would learn to probably be more aware of your surroundings. Yeah, or like the places you could be at certain times and, you know, things like that. But when you're in right. a small When you're in a town, town where you can trust everybody, how do you learn yeah. not to trust everybody? Right, exactly. Several people would later argue that the use of the word streetwise actually harmed the investigation more than it helped it. Because to me, like, if I hear, like, these really streetwise kids have been gone for a day, like, I'm much more relaxed than if I heard, like, these 11 and thir- this 11 and 13-year-old boys were abducted and they're right. missing. Right, Like, again, just like the, you know, tone or, like, mm-hmm. you know, I just think it just does not push the urgency that was really needed in the early stages although there are no confirmed sightings senior officers told the media that there was no reason to believe that boys were in that boys were in any like danger would come to harm they speculated again that they might be playing the big like a big joke or playing like staying with friends they do offer a 500 or 500 pounds for a reward for information on someone who might be sheltering them so again it's not like we're going to give you 500 pounds if you can give us, like, information to where they might be. It's just, like, if sheltering them. Mm. That, like that word. Unless, if that could be strategic on their part. Like, maybe if you said, if you couched, like, the crime in terms of, like, you know what? We know that you didn't have anything to do with it. So, if you'll tell us if you've been sheltering them will give you this reward all the time knowing that this is likely to be someone who has abducted them you know what i mean yeah, you're spinning Just to get, it. yeah i don't know well though. we do that like i feel like that's like such a tactic principles you use at school like we know you weren't involved but if you tell us who was right, right. even like, though you know that they yeah. were involved, that's why you've called them into the office yeah. right. so finally in january because they still have no word on anything Police take the case of Patrick and David to TV stations. Um, they actually interview the boys' mothers, and they beg them to just come home. Um, but again, the police never state that the boys were taken or abducted. Instead, they highlight how they care about the boys' safety. They want them to stop playing around and just to come home. So they, again, keep using that word streetwise. And this was not the reaction the boys' parents had expected from right. police, which I think is totally understandable. Yes. My kid's been missing now for like a month, and you're still saying like, ha, 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 you're so funny, joke. come yeah. on. No. Yeah. I'd be like, you need to be arresting fools. That's taken too far. Like, yeah. eventually you need to say, okay, there's yeah. been foul play. Yeah. It was not until April 1997 that the police finally pursued the idea that the boys had been taken. So, so spring. Wow. We all know just how crucial and critical those first 48 hours are in a case. And I feel like with one like this, there was just so much time wasted. Uh Like, I mean, so many, like, there should have been search parties going. I mean, maybe there were, but not anywhere that I read. But, like, search parties going out and all this, the Uh first 48 hours is so important. Uh But it was in that month of April that the boys were labeled as missing persons and their faces were plastered onto milk cartons. And this was actually something that was new 
to the UK in that time and they were hoping that they would have the success that America had when we yeah. started putting missing kids on milk. Oh, cartons. I remember seeing it. When I would get milk in oh, school. That would traumatize me. We got milk every day in school. Yeah. And they'd bring it to our classroom and the milk cartons would have missing people faces on? Oh. On them of kids. Oh, maybe they did when I was in school, because, but I just don't drink I mean, milk. interestingly, probably kids would recognize other kids. And so it was That's probably true. pretty smart. I mean, and they put their pictures out, like, I've read a couple different numbers, like, 700 different milk cartons, and some said, like, 800 different milk cartons, mm-hmm. which at first I was like, is a lot, but really, that's not a lot. Right. That's, like, one right. school. Yeah. But, um, sadly, no leads come up from this campaign, and eventually the case falls cold. Mm. We later actually learned that Patrick's bicycle had been found at the gas station on December 27th, but police what? hadn't released the information. I know. Okay. That alone... Says they were not playing a joke. They're taken. Exactly. Because if they valued this gift from Christmas, this bike, so much, they would have never left it in a public place to be stolen. Right. Or even if they... Okay, let's let's entertain. They, they ran away from home. Why would you not take your bicycle if you ran away from home? You cover much more ground yeah. on a bicycle than you True. would on foot. True. So, I... Like, I just don't think they, they, they would leave it there. That would be like, you know, you at the beginning talking about your Molly doll yeah. or my China. Do you think I would leave it? Yeah. I'll just come back for it later. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll get this later. It'll be fine. Nobody right will touch it. Starbucks. It's yeah. good. No. Yeah. No. So, we hear nothing really about this case until 2006 because they reopen it. Oh. Does and, that mean something happened? Well, sort of. Like... From what I read, it was just kind of like police were like, you know, let's check sex offender lists. In 2000, so 10 years later yeah. almost? So I guess that some places oh, I read cow. said that they there were no listed sex offenders at the time that it happened. So maybe they did check them. But for okay. some reason, they decided to check them again for the possibility that a sex offender was near their home. Okay. And they're actually is a registered sex offender that lived in their neighborhood. So police spent most of their reinvestigation working through a list of known sex offenders within the area at the time of the boy's disappearance. Okay. And they interviewed them all in hopes of finding a suspect, which I feel like, why weren't you doing this in 1996? Right. But, okay. Because then there might have been clues. Right. And you could find. We might not be talking about this today. Finally, they come upon a man whose name is Brian Field, and Brian lived um, within five-mile radius of the gas station where the boys were last seen. So, that's pretty close. And Brian had a hefty record attached to him. Mm. Um, You see... Brian was linked to another crime, a kidnapping and a murder. Uh, okay. Well, um, so same crime. You know, we talk about that a lot. Like, you know, if, if somebody goes missing and we assume, like, clues indicate that it's murder and there's somebody who they're thinking is a suspect, but that person has, say, I don't know, robbed somebody. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a big jump from robbery to yeah. murder. But if he's guilty of kidnapping and murder and now there's been a kidnapping... And two children missing. Yeah. Like, it's not... There is no stretch. Right. Like, it's the same pattern. Hmm. Yes. So, his victim in that case was a boy named Roy. So, Roy was a 14-year-old schoolboy. So, same age, yep, same group, age group as the two boys that are missing. 
and he was actually raped and murdered on his return home from school back in 1968. So Brian is, if if it is the same person right you know there's a pretty significant age difference there and see it makes me nervous then for them because it's not i mean obviously murder that is horrific but rape and murder it just yeah oh that breaks my heart and it makes me wonder now maybe since he was convicted of it before which p.s why is he now out do they believe in the uk more in like rehabilitation Versus, like, prison. I'm trying to remember what I read because somewhere I read said, explained why he was out. Though it is almost 30 years later. Right. Because it is a significant. But then that makes me think because normally you'd be like, well, that's been 30 years. Like, maybe he's reformed, but what if he was in prison for that long? And now he's out and now it's happening again. Well, let me finish telling you about Brian. Okay. So, just a little backstory on Roy. Um, It was actually. You know, he was coming home from school. It was 3.30, and he was seen boarding a bus with his friends. Roy, like many other boys his age, was saving for a new bicycle. Mm. So, instead of paying the full fare to go home, he goes, like, halfway, gets off, and he's like, I'll just hitchhike the rest of the way home. Which, I mean, he's 14, so, you know, I I would not do that. But, you know, maybe Roy's braver than me. Right. So, he was last seen, like, hailing a car down, and his body was found three days later by police officers. He had been strangled and sexually assaulted. So, at that time, samples were taken from Roy's body and his clothes, but, you know, we didn't have the advancements in analysis that we have now. Right. So, the only thing that they were really able to conclude was that the person that did this to him had either A or O blood type. But, you know, that's really all that they could really figure out. Okay. So that case falls cold, and Scotland Yard is actually called in to investigate that case. Uh-huh. Um, and then in 1970, investigators traveled to Scotland to speak to Brian, who had been sentenced two years previously, okay? Holy cow! For attempted abduction and assault of another 14-year-old boy. Okay, so it is a recurring pattern. Yes. This is a repeat offender, of young boys in a similar age group. Right. Hmm. Um, he denied, though, being involved in that, the case of Roy. In 2000, Roy's murder was reopened, and the police now had enough, like, data and enough samples that they could run DNA, and they actually connect the DNA to Brian, and they actually arrest him... So, he's a liar. Yeah. Um, so, I have nothing to do with it. Right. He did. Right, exactly. So, they actually do arrest him at his home um, in 2001, where he confessed to the abduction, rape, and murder of Roy. And he said that he saw the boy getting off the bus, put a thumb to, you know, hitchhike. He picked him up. He said he then drove Roy to a nearby area. He raped him over the front oh seat, which is very oh, gruesome. And oh, oh. And then he later testified that when that was done, he kind of panicked and decided that it was best just to strangle him with the tie he had from his school uniform. And he actually kept Roy's body in his car for several days before he dumped it. Oh, my goodness. So, this dude, like I said, he's got a pretty hefty past. And he's within five miles of the gas station. Yeah. And within five miles of the gas station. Mm. 
So even though Brian was a known sex offender and his previous crimes were near identical to that of Patrick and David, there wasn't enough evidence to prove that Brian was actually involved and he denies involvement in that case, which, okay, cool, he did like in every other case he was involved in. So many in the area actually do believe that it was Brian who caused the disappearance of the boys. You know, like you said, he lived within walking distance of where they were last seen, and he had kidnapped and killed before. But the bodies of Patrick and David have never been found. Oh, my gosh. So, if you are a listener in the UK, you are anywhere near this area, if you have heard anything, I know it's been years, Mm -hmm. but, I mean, these cases can still get solved. Yeah. So... Yeah. I mean, obviously something happened. They didn't. Yeah. This is no practical joke. Okay, a month, that was too long. This, years and years and years, no. Yeah, I mean, like, I was six in 1996. I'm 30 now. Right. So, like, it's no longer a joke. Like, this is real. Like, we need help mm-hmm. finding or bringing justice for right. these kids. Right, and maybe somebody in that area remembers seeing these two young boys on their bike or or getting in a car with someone right smallest little piece of detail can make the biggest difference it really can david's brother leo toil was only nine when his brother disappeared he was interviewed on the 20th anniversary of his brother's disappearance according to an article appeal launched over boys who vanished 20 years ago the article said, quote, He urged anyone with information to help bring closure for this family. Now a father himself, Lee said that he still suffers nightmares about the day his brother disappeared. In the article, he said, quote, I've come to terms with the fact that David's dead, but I wake up every night wondering what happened to him and how he died. I just want to find him so he can be laid to rest and we can have somewhere to go and visit him. End quote. Caroline Marsh from the homicide team said in that same interview, quote, I do believe that the boys are deceased and something very serious must have happened to them. She goes on to say, if the boys were murdered, someone knows who's responsible for that. And I appeal to anyone with information to come forward. Our thoughts are with the family as the 20th anniversary approaches and we continue to support them through our family liaison officers. Until we find out what happened to David and Patrick, this investigation will never close, end quote. For many people, Christmas is a time filled with magic and wonder, but for some families, Christmas is just another time they have to endure. They wince when they hear Christmas carols, they turn a blind eye to the decorations on their neighbor's house as they pull into the driveway. For them, Christmas only brings sad memories and heartache. We all have the power to make a difference for Patrick and David. Whether it's sharing this episode, researching more about their disappearance, or contacting police with information, we all have the power to give this family peace. As the holidays approach, let's remember the true reason for the season, and that's to help one another. So today I challenge you to be a helper. Let's solve this case. Again, please like and join our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at Cases Coffee, on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. 
stay together, stay safe. We'll, we'll see, see you, you next week. week.